HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway. So we've heard a lot about how wheat is causing, for many people, um, all, all sorts of stomach ailments or general stomach discomfort. But what about wheat's effects on the brain? Uh, my guest today is a, a board-certified neurologist. He is the president of Perlmutter Healthcare Center in Florida and also the Perlmutter Brain Foundation and a fellow of the American College of Nutrition, and he is the author of a new book called Green Brain, The Surprising Truth About Wheat, Carbs, and Sugar, Your Brain's Silent Killers. Da- Dr. David Perlmutter, who's on the line right now, how are you? Well, I couldn't be better. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And now I must admit that I had um, a bowl of granola this morning, so I might not be <laughs> operating not be at my... you could be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Full capacity of intellectually. Um, no, but you um, write in this really fascinating book how it's not only wheat, I should clarify, but it is carbohydrates, and that includes whole grains, even fruits, um, that, and, and basically the sugars from carbohydrates. Is that correct? That's right. And it turns out that it's all carbs. You know, whenever you even mildly elevate your blood sugar, that becomes a significant and basically a, a toxic event uh, for the human being. I mean, even after this book was published, articles have continued to come out that have been very, very supportive. In August uh, of 2013, a wonderful report was put out by the New England Journal of Medicine that demonstrated that even blood levels of like 105 and 110 are dramatically associated with risk for dementia. Mm. Now, you know, these are blood levels that your doctor is probably going to say, hey, don't worry about it. You're not diabetic. Everything's cool. But at the end of the day, what they found was a dramatic increased risk for developing dementia. And, you know, there's no treatment for that problem. There is no treatment for dementia. And yet here is uh, just more research showing us that our food choices 
and the effects our food choices have on blood sugar dramatically associate with risk for becoming demented. And that's pretty important, especially for the uh, families of the 5.4 million Americans who have Alzheimer's right, right. right now. I mean, you know, they want to know what they can be doing so they don't end up like mom or dad. And I think that might be one of the main reasons that the grain brain has become uh, such a sensation because there are a lot of us out there, and I say right. us because I'm in that boat. My dad has, has Alzheimer's disease. Yes, and you note um, in the introduction that Alzheimer's is becoming, um, you know, more more and more of uh, basically, basically an epidemic of, of today. Um, and uh, if, if you may, I wanted to quote from the intro uh, where you write that there is little doubt that one of the largest and most widest and most wide-reaching events in the ultimate decline of brain health in modern society has been the introduction of wheat grain into the human diet. While it's true that our Neolithic ancestors consumed minuscule amounts of this grain, what we now call wheat bears little resemblance to the wild einkorn variety that our forebears consumed on rare occasions. So you seem to be implying that um, our brain's health has been steadily declining. Well, it's not that I'm implying that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. stating that because it's true. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, you know, there is evidence that over the past several thousand years, the size of the human brain has actually now started to decline by as much as 10%. So when uh, we have things like Alzheimer's affecting 50% mm-hmm. of Americans age 85 or older, we've got to take notice of that very, very powerful statistic and recognize that this is a preventable disease as recently published in the journal Lancet Neurology by researchers out at University of California, San Francisco. We can prevent a disease in most cases for which there is no treatment, and yet, you know, no one's talking about it. So, you know, that's what motivated me to write this book, and I have to say... um, the response has been has been huge because I think this is an area that people are very very uh, concerned with, and mm-hmm. you know, as evidenced by by what's happened to the book. And I just wanted to clarify because um, I, I completely understand how our wheat uh, has changed um, from the ancient variety, as you mentioned here, and um, it it really was different to introduce um, so much wheat into our diet in in modern times. Um, but what about carbohydrates found in whole grains, like oats or barley? Very good question, Kathy. And the bottom line is carbohydrates, no matter where they come from, whether they come from uh, you know, organic oats that were grown on an ashram and blessed by monks, mm-hmm. or, or you know, uh, honey that's derived from bees that uh, meditate three hours a day, it's all carbs. Right. And carbs are toxic to the brain. So whether you're getting your carbs from whole grain bread or from a candy bar, it doesn't matter. The body doesn't tell any difference. Carbohydrates specifically are toxic. So we rate the the danger of foods in terms of just their carbohydrates by using what is called the glycemic index. Mm -hmm. It rates not just how rapidly and how high your blood sugar goes after you consume a certain food, but also takes into account how long the blood sugar remains elevated. Obviously, the longer the blood sugar remains elevated, the more detrimental it is for your health. And, you know, your listeners may be surprised to know that one of the highest glycemic index foods there is uh, is whole grain bread. It's got a higher glycemic index than uh, white bread, 
a higher glycemic index than pure table sugar, and almost twice the glycemic index of a Snickers bar. So that's the reality of the situation. It doesn't matter whether it's organic, wonderful, whole grain goodness. It's exactly the wrong food for brain health, inflammation in general, and that includes cancer risk and even heart health. So that's basically carbs. It's, we're looking carbs, at carbs. Is even it, carbs from much. fruit. Right. Now, does that mean you couldn't have a handful of blueberries each morning? No, of course you can. Have an mm-hmm. apple a day. That's perfectly reasonable. But the notion of having six to eight servings of pure uh, carbohydrate fruit in a single day, it makes no sense. You know, there are a lot of sources of hidden carbohydrates that people don't talk about. For example, you know, no one's going to start their day with a can of cola, or most people won't, because... Uh, that seems unreasonable. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, what's a better choice? What do most people have as a beverage at breakfast? Coffee. Coffee and a glass of juice, a glass of wonderful, fresh-squeezed orange juice. But you've got to understand that that 12-ounce glass of orange juice has about 36 grams of carbohydrate. That's already 9 teaspoons of sugar before your croissant, bagel, and whole grain cereal have even arrived. Everything's carbs. <laughs> Everything's carbs. Everything breakfast. that we like is uh-huh. carbs. I mean, the reason we like carbs is because they are sweet. And we like sweet because it told our forebears that the fruit was ripe. We ate fruit when it was ripe because it had the highest level of phytonutrients. And beyond that, the sugar in the fruit that we would consume in the late summer and early fall when fruit would be ripe triggered our bodies to make insulin and when you trigger insulin your body lays down a layer of protective fat by eating carbohydrates it turns on the mechanism by which we store fat and that was great because that allowed us to survive uh, through the winter and that's why we're here today the downside is that's why we all have a sweet tooth Mm. everybody has a sweet tooth because it allowed our survival now people are pounding the carbohydrates 365 days a year for the winter that never comes so and i've heard this um this stated um many times especially by like the recent paleo diet uh enthusiasts but um there is evidence that points to when humans began consuming meat um how it it basically influenced their brain size it it grew their humans oh, without a doubt i mean there right. there's so, clear evidence of that that the whole uh event of of tracking animals and killing animals and eating them it, it likely is responsible not just for the dramatic uh leap uh, that we experience in terms of brain size but also paved the way for uh, socialization, the coordination that was needed between hunters uh, to make the kill. And some even credit uh, our our carnivorous ways in the past uh, for the development of language. Mm. Now, I want to be really clear because the, the, the purpose of grain brain is not to tell everybody they should go out and start eating tons of meat each day and dairy products. So, so it's not to endorse any certain diet like paleo or other. Oh, it's absolutely not. to endorse a diet oh, in okay. every way, shape, and form. And the dietary recommendations in Grain Brain are very specific. I, I guess uh, I meant yeah, it, not one already established, uh, you know, Exactly. I mean, the main premise is we've got to cut back on carbohydrates and reintroduce fat to the dining table. But be sure, uh, we're talking about good fats, the olive oil, avocado, nut seeds. If you choose to eat meat, it should be grass-fed beef, wild fish. Those Those are the sources of fat that your body is absolutely desperate for. When you deprive the body of fat, 
then you will, by default, increase your consumption of carbohydrates, and that's like having a coffin nail. That's mm. exactly the worst <clears throat> thing you need to be doing. I, I just wanted to back up a, a little bit here, and um, I'm curious about how you got started on this research. Um, was there any particular discovery or observation that made you want to well, investigate it I've more? always been sort of a nonconformist, I guess. Uh, at least that's what I'm told. Mm-hmm. But but that said, you know, as uh, uh, 20 years ago as a practicing neurologist, I really became um, kind of disenchanted uh, in the recognition that really all we did as neurologists, and it continues to this day, is pretty well wrote prescriptions to treat symptoms. Okay. And I, I became less... Uh, desirous of treating the smoke and wanted to start to focus on the fire prevention what's yeah. going on here what is let's prevent uh these neurologic conditions <laughs> and i realized that my goodness there is plenty of science out there i mean we used over 251 scientific references to write grain brain it's been there for a long long time and Let's yet see. you know we're kind of led to believe that the only way to be healthy is to take this or that pharmaceutical well Again, uh, something happened when the public became aware of this book uh, to the extent that, you know, the week it was published, it went on the New York Times bestseller list and has never left. I mean, it's been on for 16 consecutive weeks because people have wanted this information for a long, long time. Now they're getting it, they're reading it, and what's so wonderfully rewarding is people are making these lifestyle changes changing what they eat and finding that, you know, a lot of their problems mentally are reversible. Hmm. It sounds like a lot of connecting the dots. And congratulations also to the book's success. Um, I just want to cut to a quick little uh, brief musical interlude, and we'll be right back chatting about lots more. Okay. You're listening to Broke Down by the California Honey Drops, and this is Eat Your Words on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Seeing a need to help people sort through all the misinformation about healthy eating, Whole Foods Market added a seventh core value to promote the health of our stakeholders through healthy eating education. In our stores, we give you the tools you need for choosing the most nutritious foods and healthy recipes, as well as offering classes with nutritionists and cooking coaches to help inspire good health and well-being. Stop by your local store today and learn more about our Health Starts Here program and wellness clubs, or online at wholefoodsmarket.com slash healthstartshere. All right, we're back chatting with Dr. David Perlmutter, author of Grain Brain, The Surprising Truth About Wheat, Carbs, and Sugar, Your Brain's Silent Killers. Thank you so much again. And um, just to jump right back into it, um, you know, we talked a little bit about um, the evolutionary, uh, uh, you know, effects of of either meat or grain um, on brain health. But what about what you can do within your, life, within your lifetime? So to prevent later uh, epidemics like Alzheimer's or dementia, can I actually, like in my own time, change and affect oh, my own? Oh, yes. I mean, um, you know, this is a program that, that works for 90-year-olds, and this is a program that... So it's not you know, too late. Have, it's never too oh, late. Oh, it's never too late. I mean, who knew that your brain, I'm not picking on you in particular, but a person's brain continues to grow new brain cells your entire lifetime. You know, back when I was in medical school, we weren't told that. We were told, hey, you've got your 100 billion brain cells, and then uh, that's it. If you drink a beer, you lose 20,000 brain cells or however many it was. But the point is, 
this process called neurogenesis, growing new brain cells, occurs throughout your lifetime, and it specifically occurs in the brain part called the hippocampus, the brain's Mm -hmm. memory center, can regenerate. And what is so empowering is that you have control over that process uh, based upon turning on specific genes that code for a chemical by the name of BDNF. You can actually make changes right now to stimulate the growth of new brain cells, and that includes getting aerobic exercise on a daily basis and cutting back on carbs, eating more fat, Mm-hmm. and actually adding in more what's called DHA, a nutritional supplement, uh, omega-3, or uh, to eat, you know, get it by eating fish. But those things, aerobic exercise, uh, lower carbohydrates, DHA, turn on the gene. They change your genetic destiny mm-hmm. to allow you to grow new brain cells, and that is very exciting information. It, it absolutely flies in the face of all the things I was taught, you know, back right. in the day when I was in medical school. It, it just keeps on evolving, it sounds like. Um, well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Change mm-hmm. is really good because, you know, we're heading down the wrong road, so it's time that we uh, suddenly realize that and turn around and go back uh, in the other direction and then, and then try it again because what's going on right now uh, in healthcare as it relates to brain uh, health is taking us nowhere. We're making no progress, and it's really time that we focus on disease prevention mm-hmm. because, you know, this is a $200 billion a year experience in just dealing with Alzheimer's. That's twice what we spend on dealing with heart disease. It's all about making simple, doable lifestyle changes today, changing your diet, getting some exercise, making sure you're sleeping well. And these are the, the fundamentals of grain brain. And, and again, people know, are grabbing yeah. on to this and saying, oh, my goodness, had I only known, I would have done it sooner. Absolutely. Um, and with regards to preventing um, or decreasing the number of uh, cases of Alzheimer's, dementia, and other degenerative uh, brain conditions, um, is there... Is there a study? Has there been studies done to to link um, specific diet changes um, with regards yes, to? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, January of 2012. It's available online. Mm-hmm. The Mayo Clinic demonstrated in a study of dietary patterns that those individuals favoring a high carbohydrate diet had about an 89 percent increased risk of developing dementia. Whereas, mm-hmm. here's the intervention. Those individuals who consumed more dietary fat, their risk was actually reduced by 44%. I mean, we all respect the Mayo Clinic, and here it is, a Mm -hmm. peer-reviewed journal dedicated to Alzheimer's, published, and yet, who talks about it? We need to talk about this stuff. It's not the stuff you'll see in a commercial on the evening news, because no one can own this. So, you know, this is about knowledge and empowerment. And I, I have to ask this question because, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, I, it's really important to focus on major diseases of the brain. But does changing your diet actually make you a little bit smarter just in everyday life? I think there's really no question in my mind, uh, based upon the results that we see in my medical practice on a daily basis, that children improve in school, that 90-year-olds can regain function, uh, become able to dress themselves, uh, maybe even drive a car again. Uh, In Grain Brain, I have a wonderful story of an elderly woman who, in fact, had exactly that happen. Now, 
to be sure, this is not a cure for Alzheimer's disease okay. and will not help every person that walks in the door or every person who reads this book and, and adopts this program. But if it helps 1%, that's mm-hmm. better than any drug that's out there. So uh, 1% of 5.4 million people, that's a lot of people and a lot of families and a lot of loved ones who are otherwise going to be very, very distraught about a certain situation. So what kind of foods should we actually be eating all the time? Um, Because carbs are so prevalent. Um, You know, it's in fruits and juice and vegetables and so we don't we don't eat much fruit and we certainly don't eat fruit drink fruit juice but we eat lots and lots of above ground vegetables kale uh broccoli okay. cauliflower all those beautiful Not above potatoes, ground potatoes though right no but you know some below ground vegetables uh, at a small degree radish. Uh, small levels of radishes um okay. uh, carrots <laughs> Uh, potatoes, onions are, are certainly allowed. They just have to be factored in. And then wild fish, wild salmon, uh, mahi, nuts and seeds, avocado, wild uh, free-range chicken, eggs, a wonderful, healthful food for your heart and for your brain. Eggs, whole eggs, including the yolk, couldn't be better for your brain, couldn't be better for your heart. So we've really got to get past this notion that somehow consuming dietary cholesterol is a bad thing. Nothing is further from reality, and nothing is further from where we are in terms of scientific literature today. And that is, again, eating foods that contain cholesterol is nothing short of miraculously good for you. Hmm. So it sounds like if you have a sweet tooth, you're out of luck here, because sugars are, are really, that that's the flavor, or that's the taste. I well, guess, we all have a sweet tooth. Yeah. Uh, you uh, have a sweet tooth. I, I don't know you that well, but I'm sure you do. I, I, I have a sweet tooth. We all do. Okay, right. But, I mean, but it's part it, of humanity. It, That's, again, what, what told us to eat the ripened fruit caused our bodies to make fat in the late summer, allowed us to survive through the winter. And that's why we're here today is because we have that sweet tooth. But we have to exercise our frontal lobes now, in other words, our ability to understand what in the heck's going on around us and override this primitive instinct to eat carbs and eat high-sugar-containing foods all day. Right. It just sounds like, you know, maybe to to deflect from eating fruits, it, it seems... Uh, I know that this book focuses mostly on wheat um, because mm-hmm. that is a huge source of carbohydrates. As um, is fruit. Um, okay. All right. It, it just seems that fruit has so many other benefits to it. And, well, and then, sure it does. In smaller <laughs> amounts of carbs. We get those carb. benefits from eating uh, low-carb vegetables. Okay. What are the benefits of fruit? Well, fiber, uh, carotenoids, vitamin C, wonderful, uh, wonderful things that you will get by eating vegetables as well. Now, again... Have a handful of blueberries each day. Eat an apple each day. Nothing wrong with that. But when you have the four to six servings of carbohydrates from fruit that contain high levels of fructose, fruit sugar, then you're changing the playing field. Our Paleolithic ancestors didn't suddenly come upon an apple orchard. So to be clear, I'm not saying we, we shouldn't have fruit. But this needs to be significantly reduced in, in our dietary consumption. It's it's fascinating, really, because, um, you know, it, it actually, would you, in, I mean, it sounds like it's, you know, a lot of meat, um, vegetables, seafood, eggs, as you noticed, as you, as you noted. Um, it sounds like very similar to paleo diet. Is that? Well, it is. It's actually yeah. very similar to paleo diet. Uh, we do uh, allow some uh, degree of legumes, which are kind of off limits on the paleo diet. <clears throat> but that said... Um, 
when you consume legumes, when you consume beans, etc., you've really got to, again, take into consideration that these are oftentimes fairly concentrated sources of carbohydrate. Now, the fiber in legumes is certainly an upside, but the phytic acid that they contain that binds your minerals and takes them out of circulation, you don't absorb them because of beans, uh, is something also to be considered. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, there are, are, are quite a few similarities between what I'm recommending uh, and the okay. paleo diet. Okay, yeah, just something day, to kind of wrap your head around and be able to identify, you know, more easily, like what what sure. has carbs and doesn't, you know. Well, you know, that's why there are abund an abundance of recipes at the end of Grain Brain, and mm -hmm. I'm just putting the final touches on uh, the recipe book that will be coming out uh, in the fall. But oh, that's it's, exciting. I want, you know, I want people to eat lots of wonderful food, eat food all day long and be uh, be full and be happy and enjoy life. But, you're not going to enjoy life when you become diabetic, when you become obese, when you develop cancer, uh, and when you develop uh, coronary artery disease and even dementia as a consequence of pounding your physiology with high-carbohydrate foods. And, you know, it's even beyond the wheat. It's even beyond the gluten. Mm -hmm. There's nothing magical and safe about shopping the gluten-free aisle of the grocery store. The gluten-free bread, pastas, and pizzas. Right. You're right. Still very dangerous sources of carbohydrate and got to be avoided. Now, don't you think there's a danger, though, with stressing a high meat, high high cholesterol diet um, with, with so much meat replacing, you know, whatever, you know, just to make you feel full? Because I can't great, imagine. Uh, a great comment. And again, yeah, I'm not, kale exactly do what that. I'm not saying. It's exactly okay. what I'm not saying. We need to relegate the meat and the animal products as to become the side dish and that most of the plate is filled with nutrient-dense above-ground vegetables. Again, the kale, broccoli, spinach, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, etc. If you choose to have meat, it's got to be grass-fed. When we read books uh, like Colin Campbell's The China Stu Study that talk about, oh, the dangerous effects of, of eating a lot of meat, he's absolutely correct. Because yeah, the because meat by we also have a heart, eat. Yeah, heart disease and epidemic. Heart disease and yeah. cancer, yes. But it's related to not the fact that people are eating meat. It's related to the type the of bad meat, meat that 95% of people are consuming. And this is meat from uh, animals that have been fed high levels of grain that's been genetically modified. So you're pounding these animals with high-carb diets. They're developing high levels of inflammation-producing omega-6 fats. And it's no surprise that we see books like The China uh, Connection where uh, the China study where, uh, where, where people are having problems from eating lots of meat. Number one, the grain vein program is not high on meat. It's four to six ounces a day. Number two, it's got to be grass-fed or wild, not farm-raised fish or free-range chicken or free-range eggs. So it's not a go out and kill an animal or an eat slabs of bacon kind of uh, kind of this approach. is not a free-for-all, just an excuse to eat a Not a free-for-all. Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> Thanksgiving every day. You're right. So, but you also say that uh, legumes, uh, which are often uh, plant-based, protein-rich um, foods, um, but they're also carbo. They're they're carb-heavy too. Exactly I mean beans. Right. I mean, so but again, that's allowed. You've got to or? look at your carb. You've got to okay. sit down and uh, go through the foods that you're eating. Who knew? Pay attention to what you're, what's on the end of your fork and get some kind of sense as to your daily carbohydrate ingestion. And we recommend keeping daily carbs to about 60 to 80 grams per day. Now, that's not a draconian recommendation. We can all do it, 
but it is certainly a far cry from the 150 grams a day that people are, are so readily consuming. And again, it's about recognizing these hidden sources of mm. carbohydrates yeah. that Americans uh, are, are so oblivious to. But, you know, I have to say, um, this book, again, was published in September and is now uh, being published in 15 countries around the world because it's not just here in America that this turns out to be an important message. It's across the world. Rates of diabetes and, and dementia and heart disease are skyrocketing worldwide because of this incredible influx of carbs into our, the human diet. Well, it, congratulations. It really is a fascinating work, and uh, we're looking forward to the cookbook that's coming out to complement well, it. Well, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, that's about all the time we have for today, but um, uh, also best of luck with your father and his uh, Alzheimer's condition um, and to your own. Uh, look forward to hearing um, how the Green Brain Diet, um, how it changes everyone's outlook who tries it. Great. So. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Dr. Pullmutter, and thanks, okay. everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>